I'm Melissa Currens. And I'm Amy Yersen. And we welcome you to the 17th episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This show is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we're talking about the League of Women Voters' new belief statement and what it means. We have our friend and a national board member, Jessica Roloff, to talk about the League's exciting statement. So Jessica, you just got back from Memphis, Tennessee. I did just get back from Memphis, Tennessee. So what were you doing there? Uh, I was invited to Memphis, Tennessee um, by AFSCME. Um, which is a, a public employee union. It's actually um, had to do with the fact that um, it's the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. Mm-hmm. And um, some people know, uh, but Dr. King was actually in Memphis at the time of his assassination uh, to stand up for the rights of uh, the garbage collectors, uh, which now are uh, part of AFSCME Union. Uh, because the garbage collectors at that time had very unsafe uh, working conditions. And after two men were, uh, were died on the job, it actually uh, solidified into a movement called the I Am A Man movement. Mm. And that's what Dr. King was doing in Memphis, uh, was supporting those uh, garbage workers and their right to strike, their right to collectively bargain, um, and so I was really honored that AFSCME would invite me down. Um, we were obviously, it wasn't a celebration of Dr. King's death, but it was rather, um, uh, it was rather a commemoration of that and also a call to recommit to true, true equity and equality uh, in not just our nation, but in the world. Wow, that must have been a spectacular both hum and humbling experience it was a humbling experience um we i spent my days uh in a basement of the church uh where dr king gave his last sermon the evening of his last sermon it was at the mason temple in memphis tennessee and he was actually not going to come speak it was a very stormy night there were storm warnings out it was very hot in the church and the people who had gathered there kept asking for Dr. King. And so somebody called Dr. King, and he came over. And that is when he gave the final sermon of his life. And what was profound was to be in that space with two of his children. And they both gave sermons that night. And what is interesting is this year, that same night, there were storm warnings. And the air conditioning went out in the church. Mm. And so... We were feeling as though perhaps the spirit was recreating what the conditions were like that evening 50 years ago. And what many people don't might not know mm-hmm. is that Dr. King had actually called home and given his mother the uh, title for the sermon that he planned to preach that Sunday. And the sermon that he planned to preach that Sunday was entitled, America May Go to Hell. Whoa, wow. And his sermon... The sermon that his daughter uh, delivered on the 50th anniversary of his last sermon Mm -hmm. was America May Still Go to Hell. And it was directly about the things that we prioritize Mm -hmm. and the things that we prioritize that we allow to exist Mm -hmm. unchallenged in this country are racism, unfettered materialism, Mm -hmm. and unfettered militarism. And so in in this sermon that she gave... It was quite profound that she said, uh, allowing those three things to exist will come back to us 
in harmful ways every time. There were also Parkland um, shooting survivors there. And what was very interesting to meet and listen is that our children of color have been the victim of gun violence many, many, many times. And yet it takes this, an attack at one of the one of the the best funded schools in the state of Florida, it takes this to get our attention. Yeah. And thank God it has. Yeah. But that continues to point that even in our even in our, our work, even our work for good, we still have inequities. And so that that is that's the compass that I'm coming out of Memphis with. Mm. Yeah. That even in our works for good, we can still have inequities. And so coming out of that experience, which was also interesting, Dr. King's son, his sermon, he said the three things that are giving him great hope in our country right now, Mm -hmm. I found very interesting and unexpected. He said, Black Lives Matter, which there's a lot of talk about whether or not that's truly, like, is that an okay group, right? Yeah. Um, and it, especially, it's 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 framed often against that the civil rights movement was good, but this is somehow being done inappropriately. And so to have uh, Dr. King's son say that, and then the second thing that he talked about was this movement with the Parkland kids and what they've been able to accomplish. And the thing that really surprised me was that he gets great hope from the Me Too movement. And in that moment, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even realize that as a woman. I was feeling um, unseen, mm-hmm. but when he said that, I felt seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so coming from that lens, I see even greater power in this new belief statement that we have at the league. So for our Deeds Not Words segment, uh, we're going to go into a deep dive about the League of Women Voters' new belief statement, uh, which is, we believe in the power of women to create a more perfect democracy. So I have to say initially that I love this statement. When uh, So the board, had, the new League of Women Voters board from the 2016-2018 board, they came up with three new statements, and I think we've talked about this on a past podcast, but we'll kind of go over it again, is that we have three new statements. One of them is the mission statement. That's really easy, four words, empowering voters, defending democracy. The belief statement, just like you said, Melissa, we believe in the power of women to create a more perfect democracy. And when I hear this statement, I just think, one, a beauty. I just think it's a very eloquent, relevant statement that talks about women and how oftentimes, like I just feel like we don't have power and this the League of Women Voter recognizes that oftentimes we aren't coming from the same start uh, as men when it comes in politics. The League is inherently a political organization and so them having this statement recognizes that women do have power. We don't start from a, the same place and the League is a place where women can be nurture, nurtured and developed and supported to feel confident to run for office, to be leaders in their communities, to be informed, empowered voters. And um, so I, I love this statement. I, I, I keep thinking of like a graphic or something that can capture all of my feelings of this statement. And I, so far, I can't create anything that is as beautiful as this statement. So, mm-hmm. so Jessica, what, when we, we're both board members, we're brainstorming, coming up with this statement, like what does a belief statement do for an organization? A belief statement for an organization is uh, deciding where you're going to put your stake in the ground. 
Uh, what do you stand for? Your values. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what? Well, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like, what principle do you stand on? Right. So what do you think? So the difference between a mission statement and a belief statement. The mission statement is what we do every single day. The belief statement is like the morals and values that we live by. Would you say that's right? Yes. Okay. So these are the values that are intrinsic and what we feel, why we are here. You know, we all hold these truths to be self-evident. To be, <laughs> you know, more or less. Cliche. I think I've heard that somewhere I think before. So. <laughs> Little cliche, like. But I think that's right. That's what it is, though, right? These are. This is like our, uh, and for another cliche, it's our moral compass. It's what drives the boat. It is. I, I think there are things, um, yes, it's a belief statement, which we might think of our head, but I actually feel this belief statement in my heart yeah. and in my guts. Yep. Like I, the first time I heard it in the room, mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to what I said, which is I, I felt seen. Even when I wasn't, I, I wasn't quite clear that how much I was feeling unseen. And when I heard it, I thought, that is it. That is it. That is what I want to tell other people about the League. We believe in the power of women to create a more perfect democracy. Yes. I, mean, I love that statement. I did too. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I've seen it in action. Wait, I think we're seeing it when League members are out at March for Our Lives. We see it when league members are doing observer corps in their government meetings. You know, we see we see it all the time. I think you know. Yeah, to me, it's it's more than an idea. Mm-hmm. It's it's what our feet are doing, what our hands are doing, what our time is spent mm-hmm. on. Where we put our heart. Where our heart is at. Yep. Yeah, which is in democracy and trying to improve the lives of people and of women, especially because we know that you know everything. Everything is comes back down to, you know, your most vulnerable populations and they are hurt the most. And we believe that women, if they don't have a fair shake, then they don't have a voice and they're hurt the most. And we believe that it's our responsibility to help them feel like they have power so that they can participate. I want every woman who hears this to think to themselves, I have a place. Mm. It's in the League of Women Voters. I have a place in the League of Women Voters. Because we're, we're here for you. We want, we want everyone to be successful. We want their communities to be successful. And we believe in you. We believe in you. Mm-hmm. That is the message I want people to feel yeah. when they hear it. So we, we just got back from a national board meeting. And so one of the things that we talked about with this, this belief statement was equity. And I think that has a lot to do with this belief statement because... There's been some rumblings. People have a hard time with the word woman uh, or women in this belief statement. They feel that this is not an inclusive statement is what we've been told by some people, that we're not thinking inclusive, like it's not encompassing everybody. So um, Jessica had written this most beautiful email a month or so ago, um, and it was kind of like a mic drop moment for a lot of people. And so I kind of want... Like, I was really excited to invite Jessica to the podcast on this to talk about that email, to talk about her feelings of why she believes that this is why the word woman is an appropriate woman and why the word, like, some people have wanted to change that word out and add the word people or citizens. So why is woman an appropriate word for this belief statement? 
Well, first of all, I think it's important to talk a little bit about the difference between equality mm-hmm. and equity. Big difference. Uh, there's a big difference between the two. And what equal mean? It, what equal means is that you get everybody gets the same. Mm-hmm. And people would say, well, that sounds great. Why not? The problem with that is that it assumes that there's a level playing field, that we're all starting the race from the same starting line. And we know from the last podcast episode that that's not true. It is not true. It is not true. Um, and so what equity gets at is the idea that people get what they need. And what women really need right now is for people who stand up and say, I see you mm-hmm. and I believe in you. That is what the suffragettes, that is what they were all about. And that's what we're still about today. Mm-hmm. So some people say, well, why have a league? You got the vote. We got the vote almost 100 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it was bigger than the vote. Yep. And our belief statement gets at that bigger piece. And that bigger piece is that we see women and we believe in them. And we believe in this democracy, even with all of its flaws. Mm-hmm. Even though we continue to not get the same starting line. So for equity, equity means that we don't start at the same starting line. So what, how are women not starting at the same starting line? We continue to be paid but less mm-hmm. for the same work. We continue to have a higher burden of family caretaking, mm-hmm. whether that's children, whether that's people who are ill, whether that's uh, people who are aging. We continue, uh, if, if a woman becomes divorced, she is far more likely to fall into poverty. If a woman is widowed, she's far more, far more likely to fall into poverty. Uh, we continue to be uh, the victims of violence. We continue to uh, be at greater risk uh, just walking down the street. Sexual harassment, sexual discrimination in the workplace. Yes. And there's a whole Me Too movement around this. We cannot look around at our experienced reality. I know a lot of people would like us to look around our experienced reality and change our truth. But as women, we know the truth. Deep in our heart, we know the truth. And that is that we still do not have equality in this country and indeed around the world. Right, especially women of color. Especially women of color. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this statement is especially important at this time because we we are reaching out as a league. We are reaching out to women of color and people of color. And, and much of the voter disenfranchisement mm-hmm. that we are fighting has to do with people of color. But why would those people trust us if we can't even stand by the word women? Because otherwise, we're really, and I sent this in my email, it is not the same thing when you're in it because you want to do something good. It is not the same thing as when you're in it because you know you're in the fight with it with people, mm-hmm. that you also have a stake in it. Because when things get hard, if you're not grounded in the fact that you have something to lose too, you won't stick the fight out. And make no mistake, we're in a fight. Can anybody honestly look around and say we're not in the fight of our lives right now in this democracy? And people of color have been in that fight for a long time. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of looking at us, as white women in particular, uh, asking us why we're so late to the party, um, why we have let ourselves get confused over the years. And, and believe that we have equality when we don't have it. 
And I think that's at the core of whatever controversy there might be about this value statement, is some of us having been confused and some people wanting us to stay confused. Yeah, so about this whole being confused thing, so why do you think that, like, not having men, like, some people have said, you know, we should have it, we believe in the power of men and women to create a more perfect democracy. Do you think that we are not being inclusive when we don't use the word men? No, I think that uh, actually it is it is more inclusive to have a statement targeted towards women because it gets at the idea that we don't normally have a place at the table. And so inclusiveness is actually an invitation in. And so we are inviting women into an organization where they can build their leadership. Right. So it's not actually excluding men. We never kicked men out. Men are still invited to the League of Women Voters but we are intentionally reaching out, grabbing hold, and embracing women. What we are inviting men into mm-hmm. is a woman-centered space. Yeah, which actually, that's, you know, you should be thankful for that. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, uh, because you, really, um, we don't have a lot of women-centered spaces. that not men in are politics. Uh-uh. Not in politics. Mm-hmm. And, and we often don't have women-centered spaces where men are invited in. And I think League has a clear history of inviting men in to understand where we're at yeah. as women. So we are actually we are opening ourselves up as women and saying, here's our true need, here's our true experience. Our true experience is we don't have as big of a voice in this democracy as we should have. And so come in and learn from us and see what our reality is. So for me, the, um, the, the belief statement is a challenge for us to have more women of color come to the to our table to be in our leadership. I know for me and my local league, we aren't as representative of our larger community. So I see it as a challenge for us to invite more women of color to be part of the League of Women Voters. Absolutely, and not, not just to be a part of the League of Women Voters, but to shape what the League of Voters is. Yeah, absolutely. And how we do our work. Mm-hmm. And even what work we do. And that, that is the work of equity. Mm-hmm. The work of equity is, is getting real and sharing power. Even as women, we don't all start from the same starting line. It's time to dig deep into our communities, make friends, build relationships. When we get in touch with our own self-interest, then other people are going to believe us. Women of color will start to believe us, that we can understand that they have self-interest as well, mm-hmm. and we're comfortable with it. And they can bring them their full selves to the table, and that, that we, believe, we believe in them. And we believe in them not because we're somehow going to... Uh, Change anything, fix anything. We're, we're not here to fix or rescue. Mm-hmm. We right. are here to walk together into a more powerful future for all women. Mm-hmm. I'm not only on the national board for League of Women Voters, I also currently work as a community organizer. And a big part of my community, uh, where I come from in Minnesota, happens to be Somali. And it has been very exciting because there I'm building uh, a a group of of women who come from two very different communities. Mm -hmm. So we have white women and we have Somali women who are sitting down and having real conversations. Oh, I bet that is an, just amazing. It's amazing. And, and, and it's joyful. Yeah. And sometimes it's challenging. I bet, yeah. Uh, but what we have found is when we get real about things, 
when when I had a white woman who actually is married to a retired doctor and said she's on the verge of not being able to afford her cancer drugs, the Somali women who heard that in the room were like, wow, we didn't think you had any problems. Oh, wow. And so what I would say is it is time for us to all get more real with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that this statement is a, is a good first step. Even the phrase, a more perfect democracy, why do we say that? that you know, it, it, it's true. It's, it's not grammatically correct. However, what it points to is that we long have had this myth that we live in a perfect democracy. Mm. But we know for a fact that that's not true. And so how do, we, how do we address that myth but make it our own? And so we're saying we want it to be more perfect. <laughs> if you believe it's perfect, we want to make it more perfect. Even better. We need to make it even better. It's going to be it even right. better. Really, and even, I mean, I would even say the idea of democracy. Like we have this envision of like what the founding fathers and mothers wanted for America's democracy or representative democracy. And it's not working out right now. We have some, we have some serious problems when it comes to voter suppression, money and politics and, and the gamut. And so we know that there's problems. And um, so on the, you know, the democracy as it is, we want to see a more perfect democracy. Raise the expectation that can't happen until women are participating and feel empowered and we, all voices, are in this democracy, and we're truly being represented. White women historically began organizing. They were organizing, many of these groups were organizing around two things. And they were organizing around the abolition of slavery, and they were organizing around women having the vote. Now, for a certain amount of time in history, they focused on, they decided the only thing they could get past was the abolition of slavery. And so they focused on that first. And after that happened, they decided to more fully focus their efforts on winning the vote. Mm. However, they felt that there had to be political compromises, and we did not always do the right thing. And so we accepted the vote as white women without ensuring that our sisters of color would have the same access as we did. And so we do have some history to make up for. Uh, we do have some truth and reconciliation. And what my hope would be as a national board member would be that we can have an honest look at that and that we can move forward together. Mm. Because I'm not sure we can move forward together until we are, are really clear about where we were silent in the past and what compromises we made in the past. Yeah. So we can we have a choice. We really have a choice on the, on the verge of the hundredth anniversary of our vote and of our organization. Uh, we can do something amazing. We can reach. We can never make up for what happened before, but we can reach back and we can acknowledge what has happened and we can recommit. And I think that's what these words do: a more perfect democracy. I mean that that's a recommitment to equity. It's a recommitment to justice. It's recommitting to this country and its democracy. And to, I mean, I think it's a recommitment to all women and the women that were uh, ignored or silenced or left behind for, you know, hundreds of years, really. Yes, and I would say even um, we, we have work even to do beyond that. Yeah. Uh, because I think we've often left... Uh, We've left poor women behind. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so uh, that actually encourages me and excites me mm-hmm. because there's still a lot of work to do, but we've accomplished great things before. And so there's nothing to indicate that we can't accomplish great things in the future. And I really see all women as a part of that. Jessica, you have done two podcast episodes with us. So I want to make sure that we have a big thank you to you for spending this time to Mother Nature for giving us this blizzard so that you can hang out with us even longer. And I think you've, I think one, you've really helped clear and add some amazing value to the conversations on the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast about running for office, about equity, about the league's new belief statement. So I just, I want to really say thank you so much for spending the time with us. Well, thanks for having me. And if I can leave you with one last thought. Yeah, please. uh, That it, 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 sometimes it is a struggle, but it's a joyful struggle. So that's what you should be looking for. Look for joy in the struggle. Thanks. I I think Alice Paul would agree with that. Yes, thanks, Jessica. This is Melissa Currens. And this is Amy Yersted. We ask, what would Alice Paul do? But it's more important what you're going to do with your league members around you or the activists or the friends and family you have. Talk about the League of Women Voters' new belief statement. We believe in the power of women to create a more perfect democracy. And talk about equity and what that means for the League of Women Voters and for the communities that we serve. Until next time.